Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. You know, so the dimensions of this are just hard to uh, to, to get your arms around. It is, uh, I just think, the only word, it's a total disaster for America, for the American people. Uh, rich, poor, black, white, gay, straight, you name it. Uh, I think we will rue the day uh, that we allowed this to happen. And it certainly turns, a total disaster, it certainly turns everything upside down. I mean, the world today is upside down. There's no other way to put it. I mean, remember, it was only like 10 days ago. We were talking, by the way, with the support of everybody in the business, all the prognosticators, all the pollsters, all the strategists, saying that this was going to be an historic wave election for Hillary Clinton. We were talking about Hillary Clinton winning maybe even Arizona. Remember that? Winning Georgia. I mean, at that point, North Carolina was like a given, you know? Wisconsin, no question about it. Uh, Florida, a given. Uh, Again, going out and talking about those red states that she was going to turn blue. Uh, I remember talking here one day that with the exception of South Carolina, the entire East Coast yeah, and the entire West Coast. Remember, we had that conversation. Yep. It would be blue. Uh, instead, totally upside down. Michigan. Who thought that Michigan, whatever, go red. Michigan. Lost Michigan. Lost Wisconsin. Uh, almost lost Virginia. And at one point, Hillary was so far ahead in Virginia that the Clinton campaign pulled out of Virginia. Yeah. And the Trump campaign yep. pulled out of Virginia because they knew they couldn't even contest it. But the one that really struck me, lost Pennsylvania. You knew it was over when Hillary lost Pennsylvania. I mean, that, 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 there was no way she could win without it. And uh, once Donald Trump got that, you knew, you knew what was going to happen. Just needed a few more electoral votes after that. Uh, Hillary losing New Hampshire, even though... Um, she spent so much time there. So did President Obama. So did Bernie Sanders. So did Elizabeth Warren. Lost New Hampshire. And um, and then when you look at the... Uh, yesterday in our special uh, show that we, that we did yesterday afternoon on Free Speech TV, you know, we had uh, three millennials, a young African-American, yep. a young woman from Emily's List, a young Latino, talking about those three constituencies. The new American majority. 29% of Latinos in the exit polls, 29% voted for Donald Trump. Think about that. That's more than Mitt Romney got. Think about and that. And he has declared war on Latinos. This whole campaign from day one was war on Latinos. Think about that. Yeah, what happened? Not only build a wall, but, but to them round out. them up yeah. and ship them out of right. the country. Right. If there was... 
1% of the Latino vote for Donald Trump. That was too much. Yeah. Uh, African-Americans uh, didn't vote. They gave most of the vote to Hillary. They didn't vote in, in, in numbers that uh, that were was hoped for or expected. Uh, young people, again, exit polls, 37% of young people, millennials, voted for Donald Trump. How could they vote for Donald Trump if they care about their future? Women. Women. Women voting for Donald Trump, particularly white women. Yeah. If you look at all the numbers across the board, what really put Donald Trump over the top here was white people. This is a white surge. Yeah, this was this was the, the white surge. You're absolutely right. So white women made up 37% of all voters. 53% of them voted for Donald Trump. A majority of white women voted for Donald Trump. For a man who has said... The worst things about women of anybody I know ever, ever you know, I, 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 yeah. It, it and they turn around boggles and boggles the mind. Vote for Donald Trump, so it, it it does turn everything upside down. And and also, and everything we believe, I think everything we believe in, has just been wiped out. I mean, seriously, if you believe in women, this is a man who's going to appoint people to the Supreme Court. He has said so. Who's going to over the, who will overturn Roe v. Wade, and probably put all kinds of uh, restrictions, not just on abortion, but on contraception, on birth control. I mean, this is remember, this is a Donald Trump who says, you know, he thinks a woman he shouldn't even be working. They ought to be home fixing his dinner. And if he gets home and dinner is not ready, then he's pissed off. Yep. That's his, that's, 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 that's what, if you believe in women's rights, how could we elect somebody like that? If you believe in the environment, if you believe in saving the planet, this is a guy, again, I don't think there'll be an EPA under Donald Trump. I mean, he he has pledged to reverse everything that President Obama did to try to move toward some restrictions, uh, some to slowing down uh, climate change, doing something about global warming. Donald Trump says it's a hoax invented by the Chinese to help their business interests. Uh, yeah, I mean, so how can we elect, uh, if you believe in that, no matter what you believe in, if you believe, really believe, in, in workers' rights, there's a guy who says there shouldn't be any minimum wage, but there shouldn't be any unions. No, just just let the uh, let let the 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 CEOs and and the uh, and the contractors decide everything. I mean, he doesn't believe in average working class Americans, and yet they turned around and voted for him. Everything we believe, everything that we as progressives, and I would go so far as to say everything that we in Americans believe in under the Constitution. He is antithetical to all of that, and he's he's going to be the next president of the United States. If you think about, <clears throat> sorry, I'm what, looking for some bright lights here. There aren't any. Give us some, please. <laughs> I could use some. If you think about what Barack Obama did as president when he took over, and where we were when George W. Bush yeah. left office, and the depths from which he pulled us from, and his administration, we are now looking at the Supreme Court. Obamacare. Oh, yeah. Obamacare, global right. warming, as you mentioned. We have known anti Semites running the presidential uh, branch. We've got federal lands that are going to be fair game. Roe versus Wade is probably gone. Yeah, We're going right. to round up Mexico. So every good thing that Barack Obama did as president is now at the mercy of Donald Trump. And you didn't mention the economy. President Obama, it's taken a long time, but the economy is back. Uh, record job numbers, wages are coming back up, the stock market booming. You watch what it does today. 
I'm afraid to say. Uh, it went up 300 points after Comey cleared Hillary Clinton uh, at the end of last, at the end, uh, yesterday, um, um, Sunday, and 300 points on Monday. Uh, that was a vote of confidence in Hillary Clinton. Wait till you see the vote of non-confidence in Donald Trump. We are in for a slump. I hope not another recession. I'm not going to predict that. But the markets are really jittery, and it's going to show today. The markets were so horrified last night. Oh, yeah. It started. The, I mean, the immediately futures, started dropping. Futures the futures the futures went down like 1,000 points. That's worse than it was after 9-11. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, two quick. Uh, there, there are a couple of bright spots, right? Um, Tammy Duckworth getting elected. Uh, in Illinois, United, first Asian-American woman, United States Senator. Um, uh, Catherine um, Cortez Masto out in Nevada did get elected, but Republicans still control the Senate. Those are two bright spots. And legalization of pot passed in California and in Massachusetts. Not yet sure whether it's going to pass up in Maine. Those are two. Those are two there's a couple of bright spots, but boy, you got to look hard for any bright spots today. Uh, yes, Please, let's pull together here. What do you think? Um, do you see any hope at all? Beverly is out in St. David, Illinois. Beverly, bad day at Black Rock. Well, let me put it this way. Women are stupid. <laughs> white people, uh, it, this is uh, the white males coming back, yep. taking over. And I'm, uh, being a senior citizen and a widow, I'm scared to death. Paul Ryden says he wants to voucherize Social Security yep. or Medicare. Medicaid is going to be a voucher set. I'm screwed. And the program that I am living in my house right now, he's probably going to take the money away, and I'm going to be on the street. I'm scared to freaking death. Well, Beverly, you, you ought to be all the things that you mentioned are part of the Republican agenda. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. This is something that Paul Ryan has wanted That's to right. do. He's had it in his he's had it in his budget, he's had it in his program, and now, you know what? The American people have given him a green light. I mean, I I just hope to hell that American people wake up and realize what this is. Somebody did compare this to Brexit. This is like Brexit, which was on, which was one of the most stupid votes ever on the history of the planet, and this happened to be the people of UK, well, why didn't we learn from them instead of imitating them? I, I hate to say this. They all regret now that they voted yeah. Brexit. Right away they said, oh, damn, we didn't think it was going to pass. We just voted for it. If we'd known it was going to pass, we wouldn't have voted for it. Well, guess what? Yeah, you got I, Trump. I, I hate to say this, but Donald Trump even said this was going to be Brexit plus, plus, plus. We played that clip yesterday. It was. Out in Imperial Beach, California. Hey, Michael, thanks for checking in. What do you think? Hey, Bill and everybody. What an amazing reality we all woke up to today. Bill, how can it be that a Republican Party that denigrated Donald Trump all now stand up in a applaud oh, yeah. to yeah. hail the new chief and his family values, five children with three wives? And what do y'all think the rest of the world thinks of Americans today? Thanks, Bill. Uh, Michael, I can tell you what a lot of people think of Americans. We've heard from a lot of them. I, just on a personal level, I had five emails when I woke up this morning from friends in France saying, what the hell happened? What have you done? Uh, you know, Richard Engel, who's the uh, oh, man. Uh, national, uh, foreign correspondent for NBC News, 
And by the way, I never, I never thought of Richard Engel as political no. uh, at all. Uh, but, he, you know, he he's met with all these foreign leaders. He is out there. He is on the ground. He's an incredible reporter. Uh, and he said last night, here he is, catastrophe. People I'm speaking to think it's absolutely catastrophic, that it's catastrophic for the United States, that it's catastrophic for our position in the world. It emboldens our enemies and adversaries. It makes our allies terrified that we're not going to be their allies anymore. Most people think that this type of scenario uh, happens, that if you imagine the United States as a nuclear warship, we stop. We become totally focused on our own domestic politics. Yeah, it's just going to be. He was so good. And one of the things he also says, we might find ourselves in a position where troops have to say to our commander in chief, we can't do that. You're putting us, you're giving us orders that we can't carry out. We might actually see that here in America. Yeah. Disaster of the first order. You know, if David Jackson had only told us that Donald Trump was going to win this big, maybe we wouldn't have been so surprised uh, last night and this morning. David Jackson covers the White House for USA Today when he's not out on the road on the campaign trail. David, did you see this coming? Uh, no, I didn't see it coming at all. I mean, the only thing I can claim did? is my memo. Yeah. See, in a memo five days ago, I just point out that, you know, we can't discount the possibility he could win. I did At that time, I did feel like he was coming back in some of the polls. But, you know, over the weekend, people that I deal with felt like that the situation had stabilized for Clinton and that uh, yeah. he was going to take it yeah. on out. It I, looked uh, like it. It really did yeah, it, look it like it. Yeah, it was just stunning. But, you know, the, the pollsters missed a whole bunch of people who came out and voted for uh, for Trump, and they undercounted some people who apparently weren't able to get out and vote for Clinton. Well, you know, um, it he did have a message that did appeal to the white working class, right, right who feel that they have been forgotten um, by members of both parties, right, by both political parties for a while. Right. There was that, we know, sort of the same people that Bernie Sanders tapped into. And then he also had this offensive personality and said these outrageous <laughs> things. And I guess in the end, people felt that his message was more important than, uh, you know, his... Um, uh, the other outrageous things he said. Well, several months ago, I just uh, I spoke with a friend of mine who is uh, who uh, was uh, favorably disposed toward Trump, and I remember his comment saying, "It's trade. It's all trade. You've got mm. to remember that." And uh, even more so than immigration, I think that trade issue was, it was huge, and people are just have been, fairly or unfairly, and I think in many cases unfairly, are blamed our free trade policies for the loss of these industrial jobs, and they, and they blame trade for the fact that they don't like the jobs they have, you know, right. whether it's you know, a cashier at a store or the uh, delivery person or something like that, and uh, that's that's kind of where they feel. It's, it's kind of, the, of a Reagan-esque coalition, kind of the Reagan Democrats yeah. coming back, and it scored for them, particularly in Michigan and Pennsylvania, which I think were the two states that really... Michigan, Pennsylvania, and maybe Wisconsin, too, right? Uh, but, oh, God, Wisconsin. Yeah, I did not see Wisconsin coming at all. No. I, mean, I think everyone's suspended that. And, you know, <laughs> let me tell you something. There's a lot of Trump people who were surprised at this, too. So oh, yeah. They'll deny it now, but 20, exactly 24 hours ago, I mean, they were they were looking at at a reverse in the, in the, in the electoral college. They were looking at a reverse result, but... Yeah. You know, just, like, you know, another thing, Bill, that's coming out, I, I haven't looked at this. Someone sent me a memo right before I fell asleep a couple hours ago is that, it, is that the, the, the women's vote was much closer much much closer than people expected we uh peter just uh, uh found uh white women voted 53 percent for donald trump 
that, that, I don't think anybody saw that coming. No. That is just stunning to me. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, what are they telling you uh, about people that Donald Trump might bring with him into the administration or to the White House? Just the names they threw out a couple of weeks ago. And, they, and here again, I think these are people who really who really weren't sure he was going to be able to win. But, you know, there were this new Gingrich for Secretary of State yeah. talk is somewhat serious. Michael Flynn for Defense Secretary, um, although I think he would have some confirmation issues maybe, and Rudy Giuliani's AG. I mean, the same crowd, the same folks that we've seen speak from on the campaign trail are up for very big jobs in the, in the administration now. Uh, there's going to be some countervailing pressures on all that. For example, there's already a movement to try to get. Remember former Congressman Jim Talent? Yes, yes. He's uh, there. People trying to push him for defense secretary, and so I think you'll oh, see the more yeah. traditional Republicans push more traditional uh, type of uh, appointments. The question is, will Trump listen to them, or or will he go with the with the people who helped get him there? So much disappointment to go around last night. One of the, I have to tell you, one of the biggest disappointments for me. Uh, really broke my heart was Wisconsin and the loss of Wisconsin to Donald Trump and Russ Feingold to the U.S. Senate. John Nichols, our good friend, Washington correspondent for The Nation magazine, joins us on our news line from Madison, Wisconsin this morning. Hello, John. What the hell happened? <laughs> well, my friend. That's the first uh, laugh we've had on the show yeah, all day, John. I'm glad that you brought it to us. <laughs> well, it's it, it's not a laugh of joy. Let yeah, me begin I know that. Yeah. Um, boy, when you scheduled me to talk this morning, I thought I'd be talking some different subjects. Boy, didn't um, we, too, right? Yeah, yeah. So let's let's go big for a second, then we talk about All right. uh, Russ Feingold. The, the big thing is, and, and this is painful, and I, I didn't see this result. I didn't anticipate. You didn't see it coming. Oh, I didn't see that Donald Trump would yeah. win the presidency, and I certainly didn't see him actually winning it by the margin he did, you know, in the Electoral College. With that said, I want you to remember a couple of facts right up front. First, the majority of people who cast ballots on a, in the November 8th election did not vote for Donald Trump. He will win with, yep. you know, yep. a percentage in the mid to high 40s, but the majority did not vote for him. No, she now, she, the, she won the popular vote, just like Al Gore and, did. And she may win it, actually, because California has a slower process on counting votes. There's a lot of them out there. She may win it by quite a substantial margin. But, but it's not just that she won. There are also a lot of folks who voted for Jill Stein and Gary mm -hmm. Johnson and Evan McMullen. And so we ought to look at our, you know, when we run into two people on the street, the good bet is that one of them didn't vote for Donald Trump and maybe won a little bit more. And right. so you start there. That That is cold comfort because when you win the Electoral College, you get to govern. Uh, but from an organizing standpoint, that's important to understand. The second thing that is important to understand is, uh, and this is you know not numbers, but a deeper sense, Donald Trump did not win for any one reason. There wasn't one issue that True. carried him to victory. True. There was a multitude of issues. And some of those issues are issues, Bill, that you and I have talked about for a long time. Trade policy that does not serve the great mass of Americans. A lack of an industrial policy. Mm -hmm. Actually, a rather loud support for infrastructure investment. Um, a host of issues that do not justify Donald Trump's candidacy, 
shouldn't justify it in your eyes or my eyes, but that attracted votes from people who are not necessarily those that Hillary Clinton described as deplorables. Right. And so those are two things to put up front. Once we've got that up front, um, then we have to face the reality that we're in. And this is where our lack of comfort should be extreme. Donald Trump has won trifecta control of the federal government. He will be the leader of a party that controls the executive and both houses of the legislative branch. And that is what Scott uh, yes. Walker and other people had. Right. Yeah. And who knows how many appointments to the Supreme Court? Well, it's more than that. Uh, Supreme Court's a very big deal, and there's going to be one right off the bat. But it's much more than that, my friend, because um, when Scott Walker and Rick Schneider and uh, John Kasich to a lesser extent, uh, but when these Republican governors came to control in 2010 with trifecta control, they moved immediately to solidify their long-term political positions. And I think Trump and Trumpism will prove to be pretty popular pretty unquickly, or pretty quickly. What we ought to be watching for right away are those steps to, A, disempower trade unions at the federal level Absolutely. and national yep. right-to-work yep. law, yep. B, to disempower uh, trial lawyers and other groups that might uh, be engaged in politics for the common good, for mm-hmm. the community. And so watch for you those. Know, I would add disempower the EPA as well. Uh, exactly. Well, I'm looking at purely political acts to make sure they stay yeah. in power. Right. And um, and so those are things that if we are serious, we better be ready for very, very quickly, uh, because what we learned in 2011 was that those governors, Republican governors who got trifecta control, they moved fast. Yeah. Um, so- the second thing is to look for a real, and the last thing I'm going to mention this is, Look for very rapid tax cuts and you privatization schemes yep. because that's a payoff for sure. the, you know, the biggest donors. Yeah, just like George Bush says. So, John, what went wrong with the Democratic Party to lose Michigan, Pennsylvania, yeah. Wisconsin? Well, we shouldn't lie to ourselves. You and I talked about this, my friend. I know. We talked about I... this. We said you must nominate an aggressive progressive, unapologetic populist. It must be a deep economic populism that is taken very, very seriously, and it must address the fundamental pain that tens of millions of Americans are feeling. This, you, know, we were, you and I talked about this after the Brexit vote, right? Yeah, absolutely. We said, well, yeah. Now, we didn't no. believe what we said. We weren't, we weren't totally embracing it because we just couldn't quite see it as possible. But we said, well, you know, you ought to look at that Brexit vote because there's a lot of places in the upper Midwest, in the industrial heartlands of this country, that aren't so different from Chesterfield and Sheffield and mm-hmm. all the, the cities of northern England uh, and parts of Wales that, yeah. that voted for the Yeah, Brexit. and you wrote in The Nation about that as well, right? No, yeah, was... so we, we actually said this could happen. But we didn't, I, you know, I'm not saying, oh, yeah, and I knew it would. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we had signals of it. Now what we know unquestionably, without a debate, is that there is a great mass of people in this country who were hurting sufficiently to vote for something that they knew 
was offensive and challenging and unsettling. I, I think there will be a substantial buyer's remorse on the part of a, of a good many people. And uh, what the Democratic Party must do now is recognize that it has one of two choices. It can either be sort of a, a soft codicil or a soft, uh, you know, footnote to this whole thing, right? It can be an institution that uh, tries to pull together all the elements of opposition in hopes that, uh, that they'll, they'll, come, they'll forge into something and that it can work, right? Um, and that may be the case. It may be possible. But I would argue for a radically different uh, Absolutely. Uh, no, I was going to and say, I, need, I think it needs a major house cleaning, top yeah. to bottom. I'm going to use a word that comes from, our, from more, being more my religious yeah. tradition than yours. Reformation. Reformation, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It needs, or it needs, revolution. Somebody ought to go, <laughs> well, somebody ought to go and nail a bill of particulars to the door of the DNC. Um, because they, in my opinion, never got this thing. Nope. They never nope. understood what they were nope. in, and the leaders of the Democratic Party potentially, not certainly, uh, must be uh, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Yeah, now along so, with Keith uh, Ellison and Mark Pocan and, and you got Paul it. Grijalva. You, you got it. But you got it. No uh, middle ground on this one. Bro. Now, so I'm going to ask you a question on that because right away there there are fingers of blame being pointed, right? And uh, so last night some people were saying, well, you got to blame James Comey for this. Uh, Democrats, blame, or, or Democrats, you blame uh, Gary Johnson. And there were some Democrats who were saying, you've got to blame Bernie Sanders. What do you oh, what do you say to people who say, oh, this also, if only Bernie hadn't run, it would have been different? No, I, I think it would have been different if Bernie hadn't run. I will accept that. My sense is that... It would have um, been worse. You know, <laughs> it wouldn't have been as long a night. Yeah. Um, and there's a decent chance Trump would have won bigger earlier. Um, what Bernie Sanders was was the canary in the coal mine, right? He said, you know, he's a 74-year-old Democratic Socialist from Vermont, okay? Um, and he, yet he fought the party pretty much to a standstill. Um, what you need to understand, what I think you do understand, is that this wasn't all about Bernie's personality. It wasn't about some sort of, you know, dynamic, yeah. good yeah. humor, yeah. something like that. He's a, he's no. a humorous guy, and I like him a lot, but no, Bernie Sanders got as far as he did because he talked about a host of issues that people cared about very, very deeply. They cared about so deeply that, you know, whole generations committed to his candidacy. Right. If we recognize that, then there's nothing to blame there, but there is something to understand. And the thing to understand, again, blame laying, quite irrelevant. Uh, building these new coalitions, doing, you know, what needs to be done, that's what matters. But remember, the people who said from the start, hey, we've got this. Get out of our way. We know how to handle this. We know how to win this. That was the Clintons. Yep, yep, absolutely. It wasn't Bernie Sanders. Bernie no. Sanders said, this yep. thing is too hard. We're going to need a revolution. Uh, we good time to look across the uh, landscape and see where we stand and uh, if there's any hope for the future. Congressman Steve Israel from New York joins us, uh, a good friend uh, who put in a couple of couple of hardworking terms to uh, get the uh, successfully get the House of Representatives back in the hands of Democrats uh, just a few years ago. Did we did the Democratic Party misread the electorate this time around and and uh, and 
and you know miss the opportunity to do so this year rather than four years from now? Well, I, I think we had a perfect storm of, of misreading uh, that anxiety, that anger, that resentment that's out there, number one. Uh, and number two, uh, lulling ourselves into the belief that our ground game was superior yeah. and could compensate for that sense of resentment. Uh, we lost on, on both uh, factors. 18 million fewer, I didn't realize it was that bad, voted in 2016 than in 2012, correct? You're saying? Yeah, this, this, and that this was is a, a re-election this, for President Obama, so that wasn't the excitement of 2008 even. That's exactly right, and this is a big deal. People are, you know, I don't want to sugarcoat this. Yeah. This is bad for our party, it's bad for the country, and bad for the world. But let's also understand that you had record low voter turnout. Mm -hmm. And so the sense that, you know, Donald, that, that Trump's views, uh, right. his, his sexism, his racism, uh, his destructiveness, uh, represents the values of a majority of Americans, it's just not true. That right. what is the, the majority of Americans uh, who voted for Hillary Clinton or did not vote for Donald Trump uh, still reflect uh, fundamental American values that we can be proud of. We Democrats have to learn how to tap into that new silent majority, engage them, and mobilize them. At the same time, the reality, Congressman Wright, is, and I know you're not sugarcoating it at all, is that at least for the next four years, or, or like two years, Republicans have the White House, the Senate, and the House. And just think of the damage that, I, I hate to think of the damage that they can do in terms of undoing everything we have fought and gained over the last eight years. Well, in uh, 2008, when President Obama was reelected, uh, Republicans said that they would do everything they, they had to do mm -hmm. to stop him from succeeding. Not even from succeeding, to stop him from governing. Uh, and uh, Mitch McConnell said that, that he would use all the tools uh, he had at his disposal. Uh, and I think we're going to, we Democrats, uh, need to learn uh, how to do that in a constructive way. Uh, you know, thankfully, uh, we st I never thought I'd live to say this, but, uh, you know, the filibuster is, is going to stop uh, some extremely bad things from happening. Uh, and uh, we're going to have to use those tools. But more importantly than the tools we use tactically in Washington, D.C., uh, to prevent some some bad things from happening, uh, is the need for us to go deep and to go and to go broad with it with an American electorate that still agrees with Democrats, but didn't feel motivated enough to go out and vote for our candidates. That's going to take some hard work, some soul searching, but we're just going to have to do it and do it fiercely. Does that mean a shakeup at the DNC? Well, look, the DNC was uh, going to have a shakeup anyway, and just didn't have a shakeup. <laughs> right. um, but but you know what, Bill? I don't think it's just the DNC. I mean, I think it's it's much wider than that. Look, one of the big mistakes that we made as Democrats was back in 2008, 2010, 2012, when we kind of lost sight of what was happening in, in in local elections. Republicans built themselves a redistricting firewall. Right. They focused on winning uh, state houses and uh, and governorships. They took control of the redistricting maps in 2010, 2012, and yep. built themselves a 10-year firewall. We have to do the same. Yes. So maybe yes. this is, maybe, look, I, I know, again, I don't want to sugarcoat, but, but maybe, Bill, in a perverse way, this is a reminder to us of where our priorities need to be as Democrats in terms of elections. And our priorities are going back into, uh, into local districts, winning state legislative elections, mm -hmm. uh, uh, yep. building ourselves uh, a, a majority uh, in those states that can fashion redistricting maps in 2022 and build ourselves the same 10-year firewall that Republicans built for themselves. 
Uh, Maybe this yeah. realignment of our of our tactics and strategies uh, will work out for us in the long uh, term. And you know, Congressman, I've got a good name for that. Maybe we could call it Blue Map. Remember, that's red. Carl Rove. Yeah. Carl Rove called their strategy Red Map. And if you look at the map last night, bingo, right? It's a red a, map. That's right, exactly what it is. Right? Well, that's exactly what happened. We got to do and, the same thing. And you know, and where the red is, uh, unfortunately, is is in Middle America, right? It's uh, it, it, what sometimes we laughing to call flyover country, but uh, the Rust Belt um, is an area that where Democrats kind of lost touch with the working class Americans there. That's exactly, you know, if you were to say to me, what's the one thing that, that explains uh, the uh, results last night, I, I would say it's the, the fact that uh, we've got to, we, we've lost sight of, of how to connect to that, that middle class anxiety, uh, that uh, working class anxiety. You know, people look out their windows and they see signs of, uh, of, of, of challenge and strain and tension. They see the radio shack disappearing. Uh, they see the borders in the Barnes and Noble going away. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they no longer, you know, get in a taxi. Now they have to do this thing called Uber. Uh, and, and uh, you know, that just creates a sense of marginalization and discontent that Democrats did not sufficiently understand uh, or uh, sufficiently uh, tap into in a constructive way. Donald Trump got it and tapped into it in a highly destructive way. Claire Foran is the associate editor at The Atlantic who uh, joins our conversation in studio. Hi, Claire. It's good to see you. Thanks for having me. Interesting last night, Claire, that, uh, uh, that Secretary Clinton did not speak last night. Uh, she yeah. did call uh, Donald Trump congratulated him, um, but she chose not to. Why do you think? I mean, I can only imagine that I, I was too much to handle. I mean, I know you know John Podesta came out and he she spoke sent cam- and sent the campaign chairman out to say, "Everybody go home, get a good night's sleep, and we'll have more to say tomorrow." <clears throat> Very, not, hardly reassuring. Right. I mean, it was just. And the reports that were coming out of uh, the Javits Center in New York, oh too. God. I mean, people crying. Yeah. And the pictures, you know, it's a, cl- a crowd that was sl- slowly dispersing. It was cringy to watch unfold. Oh, it was hard. And and when he spoke, too, I mean, I, I think some of his first words were saying, you know, we can wait a little longer, which my initial, my initial reaction to that was he's saying, we can wait longer for a woman president it's not oh. going to happen now which of course was not what he meant he meant you know we can wait longer for the votes to come in but i just keep thinking about that line i mean it was sort of I, just to see him coming out there and saying that and, and by himself as well what does it what does it mean to you as a woman to think that america did have a chance to elect the first woman president and uh, said no we'd rather have this uh, misogynist well i think uh, you know, yeah, I, I did think, uh, uh, again, based on the forecasts, that we were going to have that and it was going to be this historic election. And, I mean, now, given how, how wrong people were about that and, um, you know, I wonder a couple of different things. The biggest question is, you know, I wonder if I will ever see that in my lifetime. And I also wonder, I I remember in, in reporting on this election, I've talked to a lot of academics who study women in politics. And one thing that's come up a lot as sort of this ominous undertone to the conversations is we'll sort of talk about something else. And at the end, they'll kind of say, 
they'll sort of reiterate how difficult it is to measure sort of the impact of kind of sexism in the because you can't really measure that because no one's going to say that they're mm-hmm. no one's going to sort of admit to that and and people may not be fully aware of subconscious biases that they have as well and people would sort of just add in at the end but you know we've never had this case study to test out you know we've never had a woman get this far and i i wonder you know what the role same that question of course was raised about racism uh in yeah. 2007, Barack Obama was elected in 2008, and I, I really thought uh, we'd address that question and moved on. And, and, and I know you talk about a real impact. I mean, I've heard this morning from friends and family who have um, either young girls or young grandchildren yeah. girls who um, are really having a hard time today because those little girls, they're... they're their heart was set on seeing the first yeah. woman president. They were. This was really important to them, exciting to them. And what do they tell them at breakfast this morning? Hey, ain't gonna happen. That's the that's the that's real oh, question. Where do you know? go from here? Absolutely. And I, it's not just that we won't have a woman president, but you know, in in thinking through what a Clinton president might mean, I was looking at the political science research as well about, and there's a, there's a lot of evidence that suggests that electing women to higher and really high visibility political roles ha- can have a role model effect for getting other women motivated sure. to run and yeah. to say, well, it's no. possible to succeed. And, you know, we won't have that. There, right. There's a lot of potential trickle down effects as well that could make it harder uh, for, for other women in politics. And, and a lot of, and women may take that message from this as well too that not only do you not win but you face the sort of backlash you know you get called things like you don't have a presidential look you don't have the stamina you're playing the women's card so that one last glass ceiling is still out there on top of the javits center alas alas The Parting Shot with Bill Press. This is The Bill Press Show. Well, you know, several years ago, Thomas Frank wrote a great book called What's Wrong with Kansas. Today, he needs to write another one. What's wrong with America? How could we elect as president a man who's against everything America stands for? I mean, if you really believe that all men and women are equal under the Constitution, how could we elect a man who treats women like dirt and wants to throw 11 million Latinos out of the country. If you really believe in freedom of religion, how can we elect a man who wants to institute a religious test for anybody coming to this country? If you really believe in saving the planet, how can we elect a man who believes global warming is a hoax invented by the Chinese? And if you really believe in the dignity of the office of the President of the United States, How can we elect a man who is so unfit that he's a global embarrassment for that office? I mean, what's wrong with America? I'll tell you what, Donald Trump's what's wrong with America. Man, I used to believe in politics. I don't anymore. That's my parting shot for today, folks. We'll take another whack at it tomorrow, so come on back. This is the Bill Press Show.